This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey, lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat, and this week I'm so excited to have on the show Pamela Samuelson of Embody Work LA, who is hiding right now. What are you doing? <laughs> I just want to hear you. I want to hear you completely, so I'm, yeah. so I'm blindfolding myself. I'm so blessed right now because I'm, I'm <laughs> in the room with her, which is really exciting because a lot of my interviews are done over Skype. So <laughs> I have this woman here sitting here, and she's hiding her eyes so she doesn't see me. <laughs> I, I will see you. I just, no, I'm, I'm transitioning. I'm just with you transitioning. It's a, it's a sensual practice. She's blindfolding herself <laughs> so that the senses of my voice. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so Pamela is here to talk about what you're experiencing in your sex life and why sometimes it's not going the way that we want it to and it's not your fault, a.k.a. painful sex not having an orgasm yet, and a major emphasis on that yet, uterine prolapse, and all the things that are getting in the way of you having the sex life that you desire. Mm -hmm. Hi, Pamela. Hi. (laughs) As she's hiding. (laughs) I'm, uh, so let me first tell all of our lovers about how we met, Mm. which is such a romantic story, because Pamela met me at this same time I met my cervix for the first time. (laughs) it was an incredibly intimate moment Mm -hmm. as i met my cervix and for those of you lovers who don't know what the cervix is the cervix is is the part of your uterus that is at the top of your vaginal canal so it is the very outermost um, part of your uterus it's the part that you can see and it is what opens when a woman is birthing and it is where menstrual blood comes out Um, And it's the part of you that is seen when you go to the gynecologist and you get a pap smear. They're doing the smear from your cervix to make sure that all of the cells are healthy and that everything looks good. Um, And I was at Cycles and Sex, this amazing event in LA. Yeah, with Um, Thinks. Thinks helped put that on here in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're amazing. Yeah, there were incredible collaborators throughout and the organizers are tremendous. Yeah. Three really wonderful women um, who came from New York to put it on. And I was teaching cervical self-exam. Uh-huh. In the back room. Oh, uh, yes. We were in the back room. Right. That's where we met. It was <laughs> Indeed. Um, so my, my legs spread wide. I had a little mirror in my hand. And I even mm-hmm. did a post about this. Not, not in your, not in the workshop, <laughs> but afterward. Oh. It was really empowering. Totally. Yeah. And you were a part of that with me. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm so pleased <laughs> that you were there. So I'm really excited about this topic that we're going to be talking about today, because not only in my office, but I I hear all these conversations and then the types of conversations I start on social media about our sex health and sex life. And there's so many women out there who are experiencing pain or who have told me they've never experienced orgasm before. And, Mm -hmm. And to me, that's really... 
it's really heartbreaking to hear because mm-hmm. it's, I want it to be, we all want it to be something that's pleasurable and we all want it to be um, the, the optimal sex life or pleasure that we can have then we're having these things getting in the way. Mm-hmm. So your, the work that you do is just, you get in there. <laughs> I get in there. <laughs> you get in there. Pamela is a body worker. An orgasmic birth doula. You can have orgasms with birth. Let's pause there for a moment. You can have <laughs> orgasms with birth. Um, I did not have orgasms with, <laughs> with my birth. <laughs> but the training that I received as a doula was from this incredible woman, Deborah Pascali Bonero, mm. who uh, is really working to promote the possibility of having birth be very different than the kind of bill of goods that were sold yeah. by every movie that we ever see and every story oh. that we ever hear, which is that you know, you're screaming in the hospital and you have to have drugs and all the rest of it, that it's has to be, it's, it's an emergency and it has to be managed. Yeah. That it um, has to be managed. That word. Oh my God. Yeah. Managed. Yeah. Managed. I just, oh, that's so painful. I just, yeah. I mean, so, there are people who prefer that and that's entirely uh, correct for them. Uh-huh. Um, because it fits their story, probably. It fits their story, and they're, I mean, it's true that, that the hospital is where a majority of people feel the safest. Oh, you know, wow. going into an uncontrollable, really overwhelming experience, especially yeah. the first time when you don't know what the fuck is about to happen. Uh, can I swear on this podcast? You can totally swear. Okay, this is great. my podcast. We can do whatever we want. Okay. <laughs> you have full consent. You have blanket, <laughs> blanket consent to say whatever you want to say. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so um, Pamela is also a sex educator for children and adults, and our Vigo and a holistic pelvic care practitioner, and this is how I found her, a certified sexological body worker and a lifelong dancer. I'm going to add that lifelong dancer in there because I think that's really important for for feminine, you know, the just getting in that whole embodiment piece. Totally. Oof. Yeah. yeah. So, be lovers, before we jump into this interview, and I'm like sitting here, I'm literally wiggling in my butt with excitement, but you, let me remind you that you are the reason that I do this show. I want to thank you all for tuning in and spreading the word. I want to thank you for leaving the sexy reviews and trying some of the suggestions that me and my guests give you. We've been getting ugh, amazing feedback and on all the products that we love, that I love mm-hmm. myself. Because my goal is to get you to eat, play, and sex mm, better. And you can improve your sex life, which will improve every single aspect of your life. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, connect with me, and grab my sexy guides to boost your confidence, vitality, and sex life. Now, let's get back to the incredible Pamela. <laughs> Thank you so much again for joining me today. Absolutely. Uh, and this, so, like I was saying, like, well, eg- exactly what is a pelvic floor specialist or what is a body worker? What does that entail? Um, a body worker is essentially a manual therapist. What I'm doing isn't palliative in the way that a spa massage is. It's mm-hmm. not just for pleasure. It's not just for um, kind of soothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing structural work and transformative work with people. And I'm, uh, in general, because that's what I'm inviting, the people that show up are coming in with some sort of pattern or dysfunction that they are interested in changing their relationship mm. with. Um, and that can happen really on any level. And in the last four years, I have... Um, 
I've taken a much more direct line approach with something that has been a long time passion and focus of mine personally, which is women's health and sexual health. Oof. Yeah. Um, so I became certified as a sexological body worker while I was pregnant. Oh. <laughs> I enrolled when I was just pregnant and then did the intensive portion of that training in my second trimester, which was extraordinary. Oh my God. I think that I'm the only person that's ever done that program oh, pregnant. Congratulations to you. Yeah, it was great. It, it, was, <laughs> it was really, it was really. I'm like in total awe with my colleagues who finished their doctorate with me pregnant. Yeah. I was like, I can barely get through this myself, let alone have that, the belly and, and all that comes with it and the hormones and the, yeah. you know, the stress and, and all of it. Yeah. It's a ride. It did work out really well that I was I was in that portion where we were all together every day um, up in San Francisco during the second trimester when you feel like a superhero anyway or I felt like a superhero anyway and that's <laughs> that tends to be the common story wow um, so the timing was great um, so doing public floor work in the state of California as a CSB as a certified psychological body worker I have um, a piece of paper essentially that allows me to get a business license um, as a somatic sex educator, which is what I'm doing as part of table work. So I am doing both uh, full body structural work and doing that with a very kind of somatically informed framing uh, insofar as when I touch a person, I am aware of and holding a lot of space for the presence of emotional memory in the body. Ah. And to me, nowhere is that more vital and obvious and pressing than in the pelvis, mm -hmm. um, which if you are just like a standard massage therapist and that's your licensing in the state, um, you don't ever get to touch. It's illegal. You can be arrested as a prostitute. So, Oh my God. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to touch anywhere near the genitals at all, like even close to yeah, the genitals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so no can... happy endings. No happy no endings. endings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Except in a different way. Happy ending in a different way. <laughs> a very, it's, the, it's the alternate happy ending, for sure. Oh my God, story. Pamela, you have such a dirty mind. What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get there. Um, so you're talking about the cellular memory, the muscle memory. Mm -hmm. And I see this a lot. I talk to my clients about this a lot, too, because I incorporate... Um, given my knowledge in, in yoga and understanding the body and the somatic therapy that I do, I don't do what you do. Let's just but put that on the there. same thing from different sides. Yeah, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. So maybe you can go into more of this that that about the cellular memory. Um, and they hold it in the pelvis. Yeah. Yeah. The, the title of Bester Vandelkoek's book, oh I think, kind of says it best, which is just that the body keeps the score. So when a person has an experience that affects them at a nervous system level, at, a, at the sort of, um, at the level of trauma, where the nervous system changes around the experience to um, to basically, to, to encapsulate the experience. If it's something that is too overwhelming to integrate, um, it will go, it will sort of submerge into the unconscious and will be held in the body. Mm -hmm. um, and this is true, I think, on a whole other level when the trauma, when that, that overwhelming experience is a sexual experience, which, as we know, and as is more and more uh, commonly discussed in these weeks and months with Me Too, um, that is extremely common, not even at the level of, like, a criminal rape, but at the level of, like, a shitty sexual experience, mm -hmm. like a detrimental sexual experience, which leaves one or both partners feeling uh, devalued and dehumanized mm -hmm. by what's just happened. So all of that is held in the pelvis and is kind of brushed over so that we can keep control of our existence and keep going. But it's still there. And then you see people uh, who are dealing with physicalized s symptoms, you know, of shutdown, of 
um, vaginismus, dyspareunia, you know, just like very painful sex and other things, other other imbalances in the pelvic floor that aren't quite so direct. Like mm-hmm. you have somebody with vaginismus and their uh, their vaginal canal is refusing penetration, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if you're thinking about it in sort of mythopoetic terms, like that's a really clear no from the body to any kind of penetrative sex. And there's always a really good reason for that. Yeah. I just had the image of um, Lord of the Rings where he's like, you shall not pass. Totally. Yeah. So the vagina is saying you shall not pass. Very like with with equal power to, yeah. to, to the Gandalf. <laughs> Bless him. Um, but there are other things like... Um, and it's not always a trauma. It's not always something that's happening somatically. It can be something structural, like a person took a really bad fall and, and uh, hit their tailbone really hard. Mm-hmm. And that throws out the balance of the pelvic floor, which then turns into a kind of spiral of um, of different symptoms because mm. of that imbalance. Oh. If you think of the pelvic floor, it is strung like a hammock. It's, a me- it's several layers of muscle mm-hmm. strung between the bones of the pelvis. And when we're talking about the bones, the image that works best for me is to think about it in Tammy Kent's description as the pelvic bowl. Yes. So you're thinking about the pubic bone, the sacrum and coccyx, uh, uh-huh. pubic bone on the front, sacrum and coccyx on the back, and then the hip bones on either side. Yes. And the sits bones just slightly tucked under. And you think about the kind of hammock of muscle, like a, it's like a cradle of, of muscles mm. attached all the way around. And so you imagine that a blow to one side of that that's significant can totally change the relationship of those muscles to each other. And of those bones to each other and then you end up with all kinds of symptomologies you end up with pelvic congestion that leads to all sorts of different things and to the organs not being properly held in the connective tissue and the pelvis and so on so there's there's a number of different variables at play and it's a complex part of the body it's one of the major hinges of movement in the body and there is a ton of somatic content for most people Oh my God. So, so, there's so we're, a lot there. yeah, there's so much there. And so what comes to mind, I mean, we've got high impact traumas, but the, even these, these, uh, instances, these negative or these more did just difficult sexual experiences that we have with, even with a partner, like say like we fell off the bed and then our partner's like, Oh, you still get sex. And then we contract in the body. And we're like, Oh, I still get sex. <laughs> and like, you know, we still hold that. And we're like, well, I'm not woman enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not, you know, and, sure. and it turns into this mental piece that causes contraction. Yeah. I mean, even body shaming. Yeah. Like, like not even a sexual experience per se, but just having somebody comment on your body in a way that makes you feel bad and then not wanting that part of yourself to be seen mm-hmm. or touched. This is the thing actually that Peggy Orenstein, who I love a lot, she's uh, she wrote a book a couple years ago that came out called Girls and Sex, which I think yes. should be required reading for yes. everyone everywhere. Agreed. Like, um, she writes about genital shame extensively and it her writing on that really crystallized things that I had been um, feeling and observing a lot, like with every client and, and just kind of personally throughout my life. Uh-huh. Um, particularly with women who just want to, it's like they want to deny that their vulva even exists. You know, it's like, don't look at it. I'm it, And just like a, a focus on maintaining it as a sort of performative front. Like mm-hmm. it must look this particular way or I'm ashamed of it because it doesn't look this way or I think I smell bad or whatever it is, like just mm-hmm. a like a constant narrative that fits the feeling of shame, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, and just that the language reflects that, that we don't actually teach. There is no word for the entire female sexual organ. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Like there's vulva, but that's external. And there's vagina, but that's internal. Internal, and, yeah. Um, vulgina. Vul- vulgina. The vulgina. There you, hashtag, go. We, you did it. Hashtag vulgina. vulgina. You're welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You solved it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god! You I know. Did it. I know. I'm going to end wars over this. You totally are going to end wars over this. <laughs> we had an amazing. episode with. Um, gosh, I can't remember. It was an earlier episode where we talk about mm. how we refer to her. Right. And how that changes our relationship with with her. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we can call... I remember growing up, I we didn't refer to her. It just... We didn't talk about it. It was just like down there. Right. But then, like, I'm getting right. into learning more about more cultures and how they refer to her. Mm-hmm. And in Asian cultures, they talk about her being... They call her the flower. Yeah. You know, or... Um, the the concept of pussy uh-huh. or the concept of um, what, vulva, although my po- <laughs> my partner's like that's too clinical, don't use that, you know. Like, and then <laughs> yeah, or yoni or you know all these beautiful terms and and yeah. um, or how how uh, vulgar we can get mm-hmm. about her and how that changes how we tend to her or take care of her or totally. Um, wow. Yeah. So so you're saying this can also impact the contractions or, or the t- tension or the pain that, that we experience sure. in sex. Well, it amounts to a denial of, of her existence, yeah. you know, of that part of you. Yeah. Um, which is, makes it very, sorry, there's a little fly flying yeah. around you. Yeah. Um, which makes it very Mindfulness. Difficult. Mindfulness. Stay. 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 <laughs> um, it makes it very difficult to engage with oneself sexually or with a partner sexually if you're in denial that your sexual parts are what they are. Mm, wow. And that that's perfectly good. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And we're not obviously talking about, like, health here. If you have an infection or if something is actually wrong, then something is actually wrong. But just in a normal state of health, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's lovely and perfect as it is. And mm-hmm. everyone's is so different. You know, like, there's oh, a totally. lot of... I think also this is something else that Peggy Ernstein brings up is just that porn um, has created a, an aesthetic standard mm. for... I mean, and for men too, and for everyone, mm-hmm. has created a sort of aesthetic standard for the genitals that is totally unrealistic and has nothing to do with the majority of people. Mm. That's that's a really good point. And I was uh, so I led a I co-led a um, retreat in uh, Thailand for Chinese women, and and we were talking oh. about the concept of um, you know what it's like over in, in China and mm. and the emphasis on on. Um, genital perfection and wow. similar yeah yeah what's it like over there ah uh, i'm still learning i'm still learning a lot it's interesting what they said about um i was talking to one of them and she said that it there sex is very much alive there but because it's not necessarily talked about in in um in a healthy way or or a, in an educated way mm-hmm. and i'm sure that there's pockets right this is just one from her perspective mm-hmm. but um she said that there's a rampant of um uh, what do you call that? Um, sexually transmitted infections and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So I think I still need to educate myself more about what's going on over there. But mm. just from their perspectives, that was interesting to hear. And yeah, totally. you know, I'm fascinated with the world culture of sexuality and yeah. <laughs> all, the yeah. all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thing about porn <laughs> is. For me, I love porn. I watch a lot of porn. Yeah, me too. I greatly I too. enjoy it. I send it to <laughs> Yes, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Um, there, is, there is a lot of mainstream produced porn. Mm-hmm. And now there's a lot of amateur porn. Like just yeah. whoever is filming, they're filming themselves doing it. Oh, yes. And putting yes. it up online. So you actually get to see a fair amount of people who are just kind of whoever, just people you would see walking down the street. Yeah. And... 
so to me that that provides a cornerstone of actually like what a sex education could include or could be Mm -hmm. have you seen the porn from erica lust I love her. Oh my God, me too. I love her. And her TED talk, I fell in love with her. Yes. She's making, I'm making the porn I want my daughters to see. And I was like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's amazing. So I totally follow with you that we can utilize this to, to a... Um, a to a betterment for like it can it can be used as a tool to help us as well it can and i think there's really no choice like this is what's happening mm-hmm. people want to learn and we socially learn by by um watching mm-hmm. by experiencing totally yeah and everybody's on the internet yeah and erica les talks about a lot of her work is um very it, it's erotica i would mm-hmm. say erotica it's very romantic it's very emotional very passion-filled and she's very um it, her intention is to make it look like be sex. Mm-hmm. It is sex. There's real orgasms. There's real like mm-hmm. it, yeah that that passionate piece. Yeah, yeah. The passionate piece also I think because at least some of her stuff she has made she's made she's like produced beautiful porn um, based on the fantasies that people write into her. Yeah, I know. which is so cool. So such a turn on. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I want to send her mine. <laughs> You should. Mine are like so good. <laughs> you should definitely send yours. I leave them on um, when I have a when I have a partner. I'll leave it on. on uh, I'll I'll do the voice to text you know, or the mm-hmm. voice message yeah. on on iPhone text, and I'll leave like parts of my fantasy throughout the day. That's so great. That it <laughs> builds the anticipation. Yeah, I even do that with my friends. <laughs> Just like God bless you. God, if you want to be my friend, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Get to know me. <laughs> I might or might not. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> so what you yeah, right. <laughs> and, and it's so how our sex life, um, the the experiences that we have in our sex life is influenced by so many things. Is we've got this mental, the social, the physical, the mm-hmm. biological. Because we can get um, bacterial vaginosis, and it causes you know, sure. difficulty with pain or pain in sex and, yeah, you know, shame and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So this is actually really interesting. The way that I initially learned to parse um, patterns of discomfort or dysfunction was from a, a lunatic genius named Dr. Vincent Medici, who I studied body work with many, many years ago, like 15 years ago. Um, he broke everything down into four into the layering of four quadrants, like four areas of mm-hmm. um, of it that, to which you have to pay proper attention. One of them is biochemical, which includes everything you just said. So, do you have an infection? Are you taking hormonal birth control? Mm-hmm. Are you on medication? What is your diet like? How's your digestion? Are you constipated? Like all all of that level of things. Like, what is the cellular health of the body like? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the what is the blood chemistry like? Mm. And that is a huge piece in in pelvic pain, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I would certainly never tell anyone to get off hormonal birth control, but you have to right. recognize that there are consequences. Right. And because so many people are put on hormones really young, like yeah. right when their cycle starts or even a little bit before, or for other reasons than contraception, like people who have endometriosis or have like other patterns already going on, which are sort of suppressed with the mm-hmm. hormones. That was like me. managed. Yeah. It's a whole, it's most people I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, you have an issue? Here, take the pill. Yeah, totally. It'll solve you. I mean, it's All just, the problems. It's just kind of a blunt instrument, you know? They're not, yeah. like, testing your blood to make sure that the levels are, they're not testing you. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, taking hormones causes psychiatric issues for when there's, you know, and then there's more medication. So there's just, there's a lot of layering uh, as far as just, like, the way that it's managed medically. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. when you are on hormones, and that just is something that I think should be more openly discussed. Sure. Um, but the chemistry is a big thing. Structure is a big thing. Like, are you flexible? Are you strong? How are your hips? Like, oh, I do yoga, girl. Yeah, I know, mm. I know you do yoga, but not everybody does, you know? <laughs> not everybody does. And we sit a lot, and we drive a lot, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're in... we're, we're in postures that encourage congestion in the pelvis, just mm. like posturally a lot. Um, there's scar, which we talked about before, mm-hmm. as the third quadrant. So it's like, have you taken a big blow to the pelvis? Have you had a head trauma? Have you um, had a C-section and have a big scar across your abdomen? Have you torn in birth? And that's really affected the balance of the pelvic form Oof. muscles. Wow, yes. Like just, just a big a big shock to the body from any direction, really. Yeah. Um, and the fourth is psyche, is, is the presence of emotion in the body, which we also talked about. So mm-hmm. there is some interaction of those four things, chemistry, structure, scar, and psyche, that is always playing out in any, in any case that I see mm-hmm. or in any person that I meet who's, you know, who's talking to me about having painful sex or having problems with their sexuality. Like There's always something there. Mm. Um, from each of those four. And mm-hmm. one tends to be primary, and one is definitely like the thing to go to first to right. try to resolve. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you have to kind of look at all of that, I think, to get a sense of where a person's at and what they need. So what is a, uh, what is a session with you look like with somebody who's working with the pelvic floor um, somatically? It, yeah, it looks really different depending on what their presenting symptoms are and what they're working with. I have a gigantic intake form that I send to everyone yeah. who comes. It's like 13 pages long. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I want to know family history. I want to know menstrual history. I want to know sexual history, like good things, bad things, yeah. early messaging. Like, yeah. um, do you drink booze? Do you smoke pot? Do you drink coffee yeah. every day? Like what's, I want to try to get a sense of all those four areas. Right. Pamela sends, sends them an email and says, download my free ebook. And she, oh, you open it and it's an intake. <laughs> <laughs> They're all really good questions, and I've had people come in and be like, I just actually have never thought about that before. It's amazing. So you start self-inquiry even before they get to you. Hopefully. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then they come in. I read the form. We usually spend about half an hour to an hour talking about it, depending on what's going on. Uh Sometimes the whole session. I recently saw someone that we sat there for two hours talking about her history, and I never got Mm -hmm. her on the table. But at a certain point, when I feel like I've got kind of a handle on what is going on and know what I want to look for... Um, a person will get on the table and I tend to not do any internal work in a first session just because it is, uh, it is a, it takes a lot of trust and I want someone to feel my touch and know who I am before sure. I even go there. Some people I will, if there's an immediate connection, if it feels really safe. Yeah. Um, but if I am going to do internal work, I'm always gloved. The code of ethics for sexological body work is that I am wearing gloves. All touch is one way. I never get touched this, as to distinguish sex bod from other forms of sex work. Yep. All of which, to my mind, are essential and wonderful and necessary and yep. honorable. Absolutely. I don't do those. Mm-hmm. Um, so within my own structure, I'm gloved, I'm clothed, I'll touch is one way. I don't get on the table. Um, I don't get on the table full body. I will sit on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm usually working with women. I will sit on the table and the woman can put her legs over me, just which is more comfortable and we're sort of sitting root to root. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels gentle and connected Mm. and like non-threatening and is so different than anything you ever get with either a lover or a doctor which is the way most people's genitals only ever get touched like Mm -hmm. that's the whole experience Mm -hmm. wow um you're so gentle 
I really want to be respectful. This. Yeah. It's so important. It's sometimes the first time. I mean, people just cry because oh. it's the first time they've ever been touched by somebody who was just kind of there for them and didn't have their own agenda oh and wasn't God. like rushing them through an appointment. And I'm just there. We can be there for an hour. Yeah. You know, just not without pen just like holding. Oh. No penetration. And just breathing and like seeing what's there. Mm-hmm. And there's like all the space and all the time for that. There's this power, this this restructuring that occurs with with safe space, yeah. holding safe space. I firmly believe that. Sometimes like I'm just sitting there with clients and they, they're completely silent and they're like, should we be talking? And I'm like, how does this feel right now? And they're like, I feel nervous. And then we go into that or we just sit there. I'm like, it's just as therapeutic for you to know that I'm not pressuring you to talk. Totally. And they're like, huh. yeah. and I just see them relax. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Same. Same thing. I think especially if a person is, by the time people get to me, they've generally been through a lot. Like I'm pretty specialized, you know, so they've like been to see the doctors and they've been through whatever, like whatever the road has been, they've been dealing with, they're dealing with for a while generally. Uh And so they come in and I think just having a witness who isn't judging you and who has seen it all before Uh is really reassuring. Amazing. Yeah. So um, when it does feel like an appropriate time to do internal work, I wait in the way that you were, uh, you and I were just talking about using a jade egg where you really yes. wait yeah, um, and really tune in on your own sensations before you allow any entry. I'm similarly, I'm being, I'm being that, I'm being that, that um, point of attention for that person mm-hmm. and waiting until their body accepts me. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever push through the body resisting anything ever mm. like I don't do that mm-hmm. I was talking to Pamela before the show about how I used the jade egg to help me practice um subtle sensations but also waiting for my vulva my yoni to accept the egg and not forcing it through because it's uh, and it helped me to recondition my my muscles um after trauma which is amazing to think about on you know and not just like big traumas but even with our partners maybe we just like weren't tuning into our body we weren't lubricated enough and our partner just stuck it in there and we weren't ready but because we wanted to please them or because we wanted the sex to be good or or let's skip foreplay and go straight into it and and it's traumatic for for our body mm-hmm. we are trained to perform yeah. Women in particular. No, that's not true. Men too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, I see a lot of men, men come in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's like a different version of it. Totally. It's a different side of it. But I feel like as human beings, we are trained to perform sexually rather than experience sexual sensation uh-huh. and report to our partners about that. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's a huge problem to me. Like, I feel like mm. every, every f- person, every person with a vulva should be handed a yoni egg when they're 12. I love that. And taught how to properly use it. And taught how to properly use it and how to just stay present in sensation and just Mm -hmm. taught that, you know, pleasure is good for you. Yeah. What is the Dossie Easton? Sex is nice and pleasure is good for you? Yes. Yeah. I want to make buttons out of that. I love it. Oh, give me one. Yeah, (laughs) I'll give you one. But just like for that to be delivered is the main message of sex ed and not just that it results in STIs and pregnancy. I feel like sex ed is designed to discourage young people from having sex, even in the most liberal places. Yeah, that was my Catholic school upbringing. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even even I didn't go to Catholic school. I was in like Mm -hmm. a pretty liberal private school, Mm -hmm. but we had Planned Parenthood. 
Yeah. I used to teach for Planned Parenthood, so I can speak to that from both sides of that experience. And the, the lectures that we were trained to give in Planned Parenthood, there's an entire session given to role-playing what happens to you as a teenager if you get pregnant. Oh my God. And for me, one of the major signs of the patriarchy collapsing is like abortion is not an emergency. Contraception is not a big deal. It is readily and freely available. Mm-hmm. And sex is taught as something that is a, a beautiful and empowering part of human life. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not that complicated. We're animals. We're designed to do this. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> and, and you know, on that point of, of pleasure, um, or unless you want to share anything else about the pelvic floor work that you do. When, so the, after helping, um, you know, to receive you for the work. Yeah. Once, um, sure. Once, um, I am tuned in with the person and I am able to, to actually, uh, feel inside the vagina, I can assess the pelvic floor, um, for engagement in the four quadrants, anterior and posterior. So closer to the front of the body, closer to the back of the body. Yeah. And then just work to the places where there is a lot of holding. Like it's really, I mean, it's much like doing body work anywhere else in the body, except that it's in a mucous membrane where you can really feel the fascia, the connective tissue in a very different way. And so a lot of it really is just like, you know, following fascial adhesions, following fascial lines through the pelvic floor and just like arriving at things. Um, With scar tissue, when I'm doing scar tissue work, especially with somebody postpartum or who's had other trauma, internal trauma, I use castor oil, which uh-huh. is an amazing substance that has a very specific re- uh, relationship with the connective tissue huh. and flushes lymph and just like is is something that affects the fascial texture really directly when it's applied with heat. And of course, we're always generating heat internally. Yes. So castor oil used for body work or as sex lube after uh, a vaginal delivery is like gold. It's amazing. <gasps> okay. Super, super amazing. I hope you heard that, lovers. Yeah, cat, cat, where's the microphone? Where, where am I? Castor oil is your friend. <laughs> Go get some castor oil. <laughs> She's whispering that to your yoni. <laughs> <laughs> so I also have, um, you know, talking about undoing some of the things that we learn. Like mm-hmm. this, I remember you sent me um, your bio and stuff, and it said uh, sex ed. Mm-hmm. The f- I don't exactly remember about what scary as fuck sex ed. Yes, scary as fuck as sex ed. Yes, mm. and and one thing that I hear still, still in a lot of books and everything is to do your kegels, do your kegels oh, every yeah. day, and then, and that's the only statement I'll hear. I'll see. Make sure you're doing your kegels, mm-hmm. but there's no talk about how to properly use it or 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 what it actually is doing to mm-hmm. your pelvic floor. Right. I wrote a blog post about this a few months ago that went super viral. It was pretty amazing. Sorry, I'm chewing a piece of ice, dear listeners. One second. I just wrote a post about using ice for sensation. Did you? <laughs> In sex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In the summer. Oh, my God. Ice <laughs> yeah. on the skin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, go on. Just had a body memory. <laughs> I also just had a body memory. <laughs> um, Kegels are a blunt instrument, too in that they are teaching your pelvic floor muscles to tighten, but they're not necessarily at all teaching them how to release and relax. And if you if you introduce that with a kind of minimum amount of actual attention to the sensations that it's causing, 
um, into the body of a person who's already got an imbalanced or hypertonic pelvic floor, like a too tight pelvic floor. The, mm -hmm. the analogy or whatever, the Im image that I gave in the blog post was that a hypotonic pelvic floor is like a floppy hand and a hypertonic pelvic floor is like a clenched hand. And you mm -hmm. want your hand to, in order to function, you need your hand to both be able to open and close. Mm -hmm. And it's the exact same with the musculature of the pelvic floor. So if you have somebody who is incontinent, for example, because they are hypertonic, the pelvic mm -hmm. floor muscles are too tight and imbalanced, and then you have that person do Kegels, it isn't going to, it will be, it, at best it will not do anything. And at worst, it will make it much, much worse mm. because you're essentially just teaching a person to continue to over tighten something that's already <gasps> in spasm. Yeah. Um, which is why I prefer using an egg or using a different object because mm. you at least then have the kind of feedback, the interoceptive feedback of having an object inside yourself that you can actually feel and move up and down. You contract and it moves up and further inside you and you relax and mm -hmm. push a little bit and it uh, comes further outside you and it just teaches you sort of the action, the proper action of the muscles much more effectively, I think, than Kegels. Yeah, I'm going to become one of those um, vaginal weightlifters. I, oh, I want to lift a surfboard. Okay. I heard you can do that <laughs> with your vagina. I want photographic <laughs> evidence of that, please. That's so funny. I hear people doing that with, like, their dicks, too. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Weightlifting. <laughs> or, like, yeah, I don't What gym do you go to? <laughs> well. Let me tell mine, you. Mine is a very special gym. <laughs> so, so the key goes, so it's important, and uh, it's just as important if not more important to focus on the relaxation piece oh yeah i notice and this is something i'll tell any you know like people that i'm working with i'll be like tune down into your root notice if you're clenching and mm -hmm. they're always like oh my god right. i am i'm holding tight there i'm like and i'm like you're a tight ass and they just laugh about it but but i think that's where that came from totally. yeah <laughs> of course absolutely yeah. Yeah. So, and I notice in sex for myself, mm. if I, if uh, by relaxing my root, by relaxing down, I become a lot more sensitive. Uh huh. And it becomes easier for me to orgasm. Totally. Yep. Which actually brings me to this point because there's a lot, there are women out there who don't talk about this, but they've never experienced an orgasm yet. Right. Emphasis on that yet, mm -hmm. because I believe that all women can have an orgasm. Oh, totally. And do you work with women who have difficulty with orgasm or who've never orgasmed before? Yeah. 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 It's much more common than, than one might think, <laughs> given the amount of conversation that goes on. About, May every about... woman hear that? Oh, yeah. There's, lo there's a <laughs> lot of women out there who, mm -hmm. who think that they are anorgasmic, think that they never will. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, we work. And on. I hate that word, anorgasmic. anorgasmic, without orgasm, because it's like this. I, you know, you're owning this identity of this is what right. I am. Right. And when it's just like, well, my orgasms just haven't. There, she's a little shy. Yeah, she's a little shy. She just hasn't come out yet. She's working with something complicated. Yeah, it needs a little bit of help, different kind of help. And what would you say to those women who haven't experienced it yet to help encourage them? I would encourage them to. Oh, I would encourage them to get support first of all. Um, so that you don't feel alone and isolated and so that it's not a shameful pickle to be in because it's mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. It's just something that's happening and something that you can absolutely work with. And I really encourage um, masturbation practice, like a cultivation practice in self-love mm. that is very slow and attentive. Mm. 
Yes. Um, I, I am aware those, I recommend both of those things because I'm aware that slowing down in, in doing a math, like kind of a meditative masturbation practice can be incredibly fucking triggering. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. like the reason that many of the women that I see don't experience orgasm, don't allow orgasm, is that they are unwilling to feel things that are going on sexually mm, for wow. whatever combination of reasons. Just be know. in their body. Just, yeah, I yeah. mean, I've, and this is just a side note, but I feel like it's relevant. I recently did a ritual, a psychomagic ritual oh, to, oh end, to end rape culture with a group of 26 people. I am so wet right now, it but was, go on. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, it was written by a friend of mine named Olivia Pepper, who's an incredible um, creator and sort of uh-huh. like, calls herself a wandering mystic and a performance artist. Wow. And it's just a, a rogue genius. And she wrote this ritual. I shared it with a bunch of people um, and we all did it together last weekend. Um, and the first part of the ritual was just to sit and breathe for five minutes. And, and her instruction was try to get to a place where you feel safe in your body. This can be really challenging for some people. So be gentle and kind with yourself as you do that. And it was the first time in decades now of doing embodiment practices and somatic work mm-hmm. and meditation since I was 14. Like all of these things that I had ever even asked the question of myself, do I feel safe in my body? How is this? Oof. And had that as the frame. Yeah. And was like, oh, no, in fact, I don't. I don't. And so it was just like, wow, this is like the house that I've built for myself that I've never fully moved Mm. into Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like it's entirely mine. And some of that, of course, is cultural and some of it is personal. But just even coming to that was really fucking profound and gave me some basis to begin to explore that in myself Mm. and to be with it as the particular feeling that I am cultivating of just like, oh, yeah, this is mine. This is all mine. Mm. I get to I get to have this. Mm-hmm. This is entirely for me. Which is a huge piece, I feel like, for everyone, mm-hmm. for so many people. Mm-hmm. Just like that tiny, that tiny shift of language. Whereas in meditation, it's all about like monkey mind and lacking the discipline and the will to like marshal yourself to concentrate, mm-hmm. to be present in the here and now. When in fact you may feel scared and unsafe, and that's a fucking great reason to want to vacate your body and be right. slightly somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism to protect us. Yeah, yeah I mean we have sure. excellent reasons for everything yeah. that we're doing, consciously and unconsciously. Yeah, our body's amazing. Yeah, body intelligence. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, body, body intelligence. And I love, I know, I love that you talk about giving time in that space because, especially in our uh, in our society where it's all about productivity and and achievement yeah. and go 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 and do everything that you can and. and two minutes you know that we literally that many women are masturbating for two minutes Mm -hmm. self-pleasure because they want to go to sleep well that or or they they go you know they they self-pleasure for two minutes and they're like nothing's happening so they stop right i mean i admit that that was me when i was younger Mm. but that's you know there's a whole slew of things there and but it's like they're they're like i don't have time Mm-hmm. I've got other things to do. I've got right. more important things to do. You know, so yeah, so like, oh yeah, I totally self pleasure. Or I tried Dr. Cat, I tried and it just didn't, you know, wouldn't feel anything. <laughs> right. But our bodies need space and time and, and permission. Yeah, and women's bodies go, you know, pleasure goes up and it goes down and then we plateau yeah. and it goes down and like, and, yeah. and it's staying with all of that. Which is also something that I feel isn't taught, that should be taught really young, is that women's, the, the arc of arousal and orgasm for women is really different than it is for men. Mm-hmm. It's super different. The anatomy is different. 
it, the anatomy originates from the same tissues mm -hmm. and differentiates into bodies along a whole spectrum of sex that work really differently. Women's orgasm is not linear. It's not just mm -hmm. like arousal, boner, ejaculation, finish. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like... There, there's <laughs> point A to point B. Point A to <laughs> point B. It's, orgasm, it's, maybe. <laughs> it's maybe very, not. Yeah, it's very much not that. I yeah. feel like actually One Taste, I have, I have many thoughts and feelings about One Taste as an organization. Um, the basic meditation of oming, I think, is genius. Yeah. Just in so, like, it's a contained meditative exploration of just the process of arousal. Yeah. Where all of the focus is on female pleasure, which is, like, a pretty rare, rare event. In, yeah. In this world. For sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And has done a lot to educate a lot of people that I love. Yeah. Um, about their bodies in a way that they would never have had access to otherwise. Oh my God. Yeah. That is powerful. That is really powerful. Yeah. You've said, so, uh, like talking with you, we just yeah, go we on and on and on forever. <laughs> my God. Is there, you know, given everything that we've talked about, is there like one thing or two things that you would want to give to our listeners to help, you know, that would support them in their journey? Yeah. Um, I think first, just taking it as a statement of fact that there is nothing wrong with you. Yes. There's nothing fucking wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your genitals. There's nothing wrong with the way that you are experiencing sex. It's not your fault. You mm -hmm. haven't made this, you haven't brought this upon yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not solely your, you know, your burden to bear. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not alone in it. So just to feel clear that this is a common experience and that there are people out there who will support you. There's a lot in writing. There's a lot on the internet and there are human beings who will work with you through this should you need it. There's a ton of amazing, um, aware, kind, like really loving sexual education. I really recommend Joseph Kramer for the men. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, he's doing incredibly beautiful work. Um, and there are a lot of women doing beautiful work around embodiment and, um, yeah, and just... Thank God. <laughs> yeah, approaching arousal and orgasm in a female body uh, with a lot of tenderness mm -hmm. and a lot of space for cultural conditioning and mm. bad education mm -hmm. around what it is to be in a woman's body. Mm. I love um, that. Yeah. There are also really great resources, and I'm starting to see more of them for people who are non-binary and, uh, and trans. Yes. Yay. Which is essential because, of course, sex is a spectrum. Gender is a spectrum. There's mm -hmm. a whole lot of us who are somewhere in the middle, not quite to one binary or the other. Um, and that comes with its own set of challenges, which are intense and relatively new in kind of in mainstream discussion. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are also great resources for that. Amazing. So I'm going to put all these resources on your page yeah. so that all of our lovers can find them super easy. Yeah, totally. Uh, thank you so much, Pamela. This has just been uh, incredible. Yeah, does that, <laughs> that's all. Does that felt experienceless? <laughs> I'm drilling on the couch. <laughs> So, so good to be with you. Yeah. So you can find out more about Pamela on embodimentla.com. Embodyworkla.com. Rewind. And and again, all the resources will be on there for you because we want you to have the sex life of your dreams. And we want to be able to help you move through these barriers that are keeping you from that. You deserve this. You deserve all the pleasure in the world because 
sex matters. So go to eatplaysex.com and subscribe to iTunes. Leave me a review. I love you so much. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.